You are listening to Concert Blast. Here are some clips from this show of Concert Blast. If anybody says anything about me or my sisters or my brothers, your brothers. then I'll be ready to fight you. <laughs> and they would do the same for me. I heard what you said, James. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you got him looking scared. <laughs> James, Man. it's okay. Stop sweating. <laughs> Can I say a bad word on No. I can't. <laughs> but I don't really, um, you know, give a crap <laughs> what anybody thinks. Yeah. Oh, now, that can't be tacky. I can be tacky. This is still a free country. And that's what I like about being a woman in this country. I can be a Christian and be tacky all at the same time. I might not get to go to your church. Actually, two stories in there about myself. I don't want to go into it on the radio because it might be emotional, and I don't feel like doing that. I went to this trouble to put on some makeup before I came over tonight. <laughs> If you don't believe there's a God, watch a delivery. Exactly. Or live with a pregnant woman. <laughs> and live to tell about it. <laughs> and, and especially when they get hungry. <laughs> tell it, sister, tell it. Everywhere you go. Tell it, sister, tell it. Let Break a day, her voice ringing through the air, dancing and singing. She did not have a care. They would come from all around to hear that awesome sound, and they'd all say. Tennessee, of course, another event that we're having at the CMA Week, and we're starting this off with a bang with Miss Stella Parton. How in the world are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Mike? <laughs> well, we're Good doing great. You. James Downing is here with us. Hi, James. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you, fellas. Good to see you, too. Yeah, it's good to be here. And, and on the way in here, James is telling us something that he had a long time ago. It was a copy of your 45, Ode to Olivia. Oh, you had that? <laughs> yes, I did. Cool. You know, I talk about that a little bit in the book. Mm-hmm. So, and I kind of give the backstory on that and what everybody thought about that. The reaction we had here in Nashville during that whole, you know, what would you call it? It was an uproar. That's what it was. It was an uproar. <laughs> so, you're not afraid to shake your little feathers, are you? Oh, Lord, no. And she's got a new book out, and that's the reason we're here. We're going to be talking about and discussing uh, your new book. I'm always shaking my Now, tell everybody the name of it. I love the name. Tell everybody the name of it. It's called Tell It, Sister, Tell It. And I have a song by that title as well. It goes, Tell It, Sister, Tell It. Sing Everywhere you go. Tell it, Sister, Tell It. Let everybody know. Listen to that. She's holding that note right there. That's cheating, man. I wish I could do that. I just go, Oh. <laughs> You gotta hold your mouth. 
You got to give me some lessons here before we leave. But anyway, what brought you to write this book? Well, this book actually is an inspirational memoir, is what I'm calling it. It's about my own life experiences growing up with my family. It's about my career and that journey. It's about my faith and that journey. And so that's why it's uh, Tell It, Sister, Tell It, Memories, Music, and Miracles. And so that's the subtitle. But the book was written with the motivation to empower women who have uh, gone through domestic violence uh, situations. It's such a prevalent problem in our society. Mm. It has uh, the stigma of shame attached to it. And mostly for the victims Mm -hmm. are the ones who carry the shame for their own, you know, abuse. Having experienced that myself, I felt like that by this stage in my life and my career, that I wanted to bring it to the forefront one more time. And so the gross sales of the book, not the net Mm -hmm. proceeds, but the gross proceeds from this book, 10% will be taken off the top before I pay for expenses or anything. Wow. And it will be left in each community that I go to sign books in. Right. Uh, Any book signings that I do or any appearances where we sell the book, we are trying to attach and to unite with uh, battered women and children's shelters in each community so that we can leave some of the proceeds from the sale of the book in each community. Have you started a book signing tour yet? We are developing that just as we speak. We officially launched the book Tuesday night at the Station Inn with a concert. All right. And the Tell It Sister Tell It song. Uh-huh. But basically what I did was my Songbird's Heart. It's a songwriter's show. And all the songs that are in the book, lyrics that are in the book, there's also a... Um, companion cd called tell it sister tell it which you know i have a copy for you guys thank you very much as well so we launched it tuesday night and start that was the first uh, book sales in public it is on amazon.com it just this morning we got information it is now available on kindle so you can download it on your kindle i got a kindle for christmas and i love them all right so it's fun and then the cd has gone up yesterday as a digital download on cd baby and if all that's confusing, then go to StellaParton.com and click on the book, and it'll take you to Amazon.com. Go to the store page on StellaParton.com, and it'll take you to CD Baby, and you can download the CD. You're just a load of information here. Well, I'm trying. You know, I am a parton after all, and we're just- <laughs> And we are shameless self-promoters as women. <laughs> How many partons are there? How many is in your family? Well, there's uh, six girls. And, oh, my. Uh, I've got six sisters, and I have five brothers. So. My goodness. Yeah, but it's all good. You know, at least you've got a backup. We fight like cats and dogs, but at least we have each other's backs. You're supposed to fight like cats and dogs oh, and have each other's backs. We do. Uh, we can say anything we want to about each other, and right. I do in the book. But uh, if anybody says anything about me or my sisters, any or my brothers, or your brothers, then I'll be ready to fight you. <laughs> and they would do the same for me. I heard what you said, James. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say nothing. <laughs> you got him looking scared. James, Man. it's okay. Stop sweating. <laughs> <laughs> We're here in a beautiful studio here in Nashville on Music Row called the Parlor Studio. Yes, this is the Parlor. I have done several projects here. I just produced an album in here on one of the new artists that I developed a couple of years ago. A fabulous album. It came out great in here. And it's the parlor, and this is on 16th Avenue. You come around to the alley and come to to the back door and yes. come in. 
to the parlor studio. It's owned by Larry and Robin. They're a couple. She's a songwriter and musician. She is actually a multi-instrumentalist. She has traveled with everybody from, I think, Martina McBride to Rod Stewart. Wow. And so it's a state-of-the-art studio. I love working here, and they were kind enough to allow us to do some work in here. Mr. Carter over here, Leonard Carter from Carter Media in Roanoke, Virginia, he is working with me on capturing some video footage because we're working on an eventual documentary on the book. All right. And how the book uh, came to be and the background of the book and the background on myself and my journey and my musical journey and my journey of faith as well. Once we have enough footage and the story, the backstory pulled together, we're going to be producing a documentary. Do you play a lot of instruments? Well, I flog a lot of instruments. I wouldn't call what I do. I strum a few instruments, but uh, there are people that really are instrumentalists, and I'm not one of those. I'm Mm -hmm. a songwriter who can strum along to come up with a melody. How do you do your songwriting? Do you come up with just a tune in your head? Do you see something and say, i got to write a song about that, or is it all all the above, or is it something else? It's I don't have one formula. The reason I don't have one formula is I didn't know there was a formula when I started making up songs as a kid. We used to sit around and make up songs. We didn't understand anything about meter. We knew about melody because we were naturally musically inclined. And we were lyrically inclined because we were born in a family of storytellers. Appalachian people, mountain people are great storytellers. We can spin a yarn all night long. And we were uh, poets, I think, by nature. But to write a song, sometimes I'll come up with a piece of poetry. Sometimes I'll just get a hook line and a melody along with the hook line. And sometimes they fall together separately, sometimes all together. I don't worry about uh, my formula so much because I'm not a staff writer on any publishing staff here in Nashville. I chose to never sign with a publishing company here in Nashville because I did not want to be a staff writer. I didn't want to be a production line writer. What did you want to do? Just do your own thing? I wanted to write and have free art expression, Mm -hmm. uh, free creative expression, which I've been fortunate enough to make my living and survive being a free creative spirit without buying into the cookie cutter stamp of you know what is supposed to be the trend this year what's going to happen next year and trying to be on the crest of that right. i chose never to do that and i've uh, you know just created from my own thoughts and my own freedom of expression and so in a way i I guess you would consider me an American artist. I'm an abstract in some ways. Some of my songs have no, uh, they don't have a form. Mm-hmm. They're not uh, book perfect as most writers here in Nashville uh, are expected to write a book perfect song. Sometimes I'll have an extra meter in a verse if I have a, an extra line that I want to say a certain thing. Sometimes I might have two bridges in a song if it's something I want to say. Sometimes I may have just all verses and maybe a musical interlude which serves as a bridge for the song in order to lift it in that place. I don't really care. Can I say a bad word on? No. Uh, I can't. But I don't really, um, you know, give a crap. <laughs> What anybody thinks. You know, that made it sound even better. I love that. 
<laughs> so anyway, that's kind of how I write. Is everybody in your family musically inclined? We like to think we are. We may be in denial. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the brothers, I don't know much about yes, the brothers. Yes, we are all musically inclined. Or like I say, we think we are. I don't know. We love to do it. So, you know, that's what we do. My brothers are writers and uh, musicians. They're more introverted than us girls, and mm-hmm. so they have not been as apt to go out and exploit their you know, artistic abilities as maybe we have. Let's talk about your book a little bit. Okay. All right, so you got different sections of your book. You, you talked about, you said your family, you Let, talked about uh, domestic abuse, and you've talked, discussed a little bit about uh, your faith. Well, the book is about uh, memories. The first section is about growing up in my family. Mm-hmm. First chapter opens actually in the funeral home at the visitation of my of my dad. Mm. And the last chapter of the memories section is a chapter dedicated to my mother and who and what she was and how she formed us being the woman of faith that she was, mm-hmm. but also being a woman who had her struggles. The second section of the book is uh, called Music, and it's about my journey. And it's not exactly in chronological order, because the chapter that I, that I wrote to end that section is called Singing for My Supper. I wrote the book by longhand, and I had to write that as fast as I could, almost as if it was a quick slideshow for me to really go through it, because I refused to get bogged down in any one section of struggle that every career has. And so I just tried to hit the, the highlights of you know my career and kind of put a chronological order to that chapter mm-hmm. to say it went from here to here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each chapter is on its own? Yes. It's like each chapter is on individual... You could skip around is what I'm saying. Uh, I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't because then you won't really know me. Oh, okay. And you won't understand some of the stuff because it does tie itself together. How long did it take you to write the book? Um, I don't know, Brenda. What Did it take me maybe a year of just writing? But, yeah, about a year. And I really wanted to put the book out about five years ago. But my Aunt Dorothy Jo, who has since passed, she had a book. And she is a traveling evangelist for over 50 years. Mm. And she passed away at 80. And she had a, a book about her ministry that came out. And so it was right at the time I wanted to put my book out. And I thought, no, I'm going to shelve my book for a while and let her book come out and do what it's going to do. And then she passed in the meantime since then. And so just this past year, I thought, well, you know, the book's been on the shelf for a while. I'm going to do a little update in the conclusion and go ahead and and put the book out. But uh, this last section of the book is about about my journey of faith how I feel that my faith is what's uh, saved me, what's kept me buoyant in a life of struggle and swimming, sometimes against the tide in our industry, and uh, how the things that happen to us can be turned into miracles if we so choose. I think that uh, we see God every day. We just don't recognize him. And I would like for people to get that message through this book. Very good. I mean, if you see the sunset and the sunrise and the moonshine and the earth stay on a time basis, tilted on an axis, how can you not believe there's a God, right? Well, that's right. And if we can't keep joy in our hearts, knowing that there is something better tomorrow than today. Just yesterday, one of my closest relatives, my first cousin who's played on almost all my records, was in my first band. We grew up together. He passed. 
he'd worked at Dollywood for 25 years, and he uh, uh, lost his battle with cancer. And that's that's a sadness for me today, but I know that he's with his mother, my Aunt Dorothy Jo, who was a, a minister, and I know that my mother and my grandmother and my granddad, and they were all there to greet him. So I'm good with that. Very good. And so I have no problem at all talking about my faith, but I'm not so religious or so Christianized uh, Christian-fied, uh, or Christian-fried, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> Christian-fried. I, I think it's Christian-fried. Hey, b- but you are Christian. I am definitely a Christian. Mm-hmm. I couldn't talk about the miracles in my life if I didn't really truly believe that. Yeah. But I'm not your typical Christian. My faith is more organic. I try to live my faith, not proclaim it to the masses when maybe that's not the way I'm really living. Well, you, we all proclaim what we believe by our actions. I think so. Yeah. Uh, my mother would always say, you know, your life is your testimony. I hope that that's the way my life will be perceived, and I hope that not by society or even by my relatives and friends, but by the Lord himself, because he looks on the heart of man. My intentions may be perceived as different by some human, but God knows the answer for us all, and he He does look at the heart of each of us. Let's talk about your beginning of the career. And you were like one of the first females to produce your own record from my understanding i was probably the first to really not know any better like i say i didn't know the rules and i wasn't going to follow them anyway. <laughs> i love that <laughs> what <laughs> rules <laughs> well i thought rules were made to be broken no they're suggestions <laughs> uh, yeah they're they're made to be broken uh, i believe and so uh, i couldn't get any interest in town so i've been working in a recording studio like this and working out studio time. Uh, I tell about it in the book, and um, I put together Ode to Olivia, which James just talked about. It was actually the song that I was getting ready to put out because it was like in defense of Olivia Newton-John when Mm -hmm. she won the CMA Award. And And Nashville didn't like that, huh? Oh, they were highly offended and incensed by the whole thing, and I was taken aback by it. I was insulted that they would be so um, selfish and childish, I guess. And to me... I think the gift that I've always had is to, to look at another person and the situation they're going through and think, how would I feel if this was happening to me? And so I thought, this is just wrong. And besides that, I was a huge fan of hers. And yes. so I thought, well, I'm going to write a song defending Olivia Newton-John and her winning the CMA uh, Female Vocalist of the Year Award. And my sister and Barbara Mandrell and Porter Wagner and all these people uh, started this organization called American Country Entertainers. It was called ACE. It lasted about six weeks, I think, <laughs> until all the hullabaloo died down. Well, the, the the doors opened a whole lot wider today, though, haven't they? Yeah, but I was a voice in the wilderness yes. at the time, and somebody got started. And so, <laughs> but I was branded as a maverick by all of them. Yeah, and still have, uh, <laughs> and still am considered an outsider. But I'm comfortable with that title. I don't mind being a maverick, and I don't mind being a voice in the wilderness. Because if that means we can level the playing field a little bit, I've never, ever been jealous of any other artist that comes on the scene. And I see people become bitter after they've had big, extravagant careers. And then they feel like that somebody new coming on the scene doesn't have a right to that. And I don't think that's right at all. I think artistic expression is free to all of us. It's creativity. Isn't that about God? There you go. Now, let me ask you this. Who do you listen to? Who's some of your favorite artists? Well, right now I'm listening to a little girl named Duffy and a little girl named Adele. 
Uh, and, Adele, yeah. yeah, and they're not um, country artists, right. uh, but I like their sound. I like what they do. I always was a big Tina Turner fan. Have you ever heard her country album that she did back in the did 70s? Did you know that? Yeah, I've, I've heard it. It's a great album, isn't Oh, yeah, it? yeah. And um, I've always been a huge fan of hers because she was kind of an outsider mm-hmm. who kind of yeah. came from... Another domestic abuse person. Yeah. yeah. So those are the kind of women I listen to, women that have a lot more uh, what I would call vocal chops than I do because they've got much stronger voices than I do, uh, but they don't have any more soul than I do <laughs> because everything I do is from a place in my heart. But to answer your question, those are the kind of women I listen to. And the men that I've always listened to that are close to country music, I always liked Marty Robbins. I thought he had this this beautiful velvety sound to his voice i'm not much for cowboy music and a lot of his music was that but i just love the way those songs were written like i write a lot of my stuff which is with no chorus and they go for five minutes you know he tells stories in some of those songs and it's like a, a mini movie well i'll tell you when i was a kid i was probably fourth maybe fifth grade uh-huh. i was anti-country music all the way as most uh-huh. kids are yeah. you know and one of my classmates said, I'm going to write a song. And what he did, he wrote, he wrote down the words to Marty Robbins' El Paso. Mm-hmm. And he brought it to me. And he says, what do you think about it? I said, this is the best thing I've ever read. He says, now, swallow your words, because this is a country music song. <laughs> and he opened my eyes to, mm-hmm. to other things that I just refused to look at. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I know. But see, to me, Marty Robbins, not only was he just such a great writer, mm-hmm. he was also a great vocalist. He was a great entertainer. And he understood the importance of harmonies in his records. And so I've always tried to incorporate that type of thought in whatever I come up with and always stack harmonies on my courses and stuff because that's my sound. And that's what I grew up doing with my sisters, and I still incorporate that sound around me. In your book, you talked a lot about domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Do you have some personal stories in your book about that? I do. And um, uh, actually, I have a story about myself. And there are actually two stories in there about myself. I don't want to go into it on the radio because it might be emotional, and I don't feel like doing that. I went to this trouble to put on some makeup before I came over. <laughs> well, let's keep makeup on, okay? Yeah, right. we got pictures to take, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, but it's in the book. Yes, it is. Okay. And I also have a friend that was actually, she's a cousin of mine, that lived with uh, me and my son for nine years. She was his nanny and lived with us that long. And then after she married and moved away, she had a horrible situation and ended up in a battered women's shelter for a long time. And I talk about that in the book. Wow. This is one interesting book, I have to say. But it's not all about that. There's funny stuff in yeah. there. Really funny stuff. Tell me about some of the funny some stuff. There's some tacky stuff in there. Oh, now, and I can't be tacky. Well, it is tacky. <laughs> I, mean, I can be tacky. This is still a free country. And that's what I like about being a woman in this country. I can be a Christian and be tacky all at the same time. I might not get to go to your church. <laughs> But, but I can go to the, my, oh my church. Gosh. You remind me what uh, Winona told us one time. She says, I finally found a church that's the, a hospital for sinners and not a country club for the saints. Well, but you know, I think that's what church should be. It should be a spiritual hospital. 
But instead, it's a place for isolationists who feel like that the rest of us are lepers, and we're not allowed in there. <laughs> okay. So, no, no if, if you're a leper, you need to be in there, actually. But, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And um, so uh, I know that that's been my experience. Because I've sung country music, I, I grew up singing gospel music. I grew up in the church, as a matter of fact. I do a lot of work, and I'm a Stephen minister over at St. Thomas Hospital now. But there's so many people that I minister to that would never darken the doorway of a church. But they're uh, still God's babies. There you go. Well, if we're created, we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the process that blows my mind. Yeah. That's another reason why if you don't believe there's a God, watch a delivery. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or live with a pregnant woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and live to tell about it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, live with a pregnant woman. And, and especially when they get hungry. <laughs> well, let me ask you, you've done a lot of performing in your life. Yeah. Tell us about some of the embarrassing performances that you've went through. Anything? Well, what comes to mind right now is that I didn't see it, but the other night they said that uh, Shania Twain uh, fell oh, yeah. That's right, uh, yeah. at the award show. That's happened to me before on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to recover from that. I mean, that little girl has gone through a lot, you know, in the last few years. And then for her to lose her footing in front of everybody, you know how demoralizing that is to fall in front of people. And to have an accident like that on stage uh, is very, it's almost impossible to recover from. Uh, One time I forgot an entire line in one of the plays I was doing. And it was supposed to be a really emotional thing. And and the boy that was playing my boyfriend in the show, I was trying to think of my line, and I couldn't think of my next line. But I'm supposed to be crying because I'm telling him goodbye. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, what is the next line? What is <laughs> you should make something line? up. You're and so writer. I said, please help me. Help me. And I went, oh. And he said, oh, and then he picked up. And I was so embarrassed when we got off the stage for the next scene. I said, you better never tell that on me or I'll slap your head off. <laughs> That's a great story. You just told on yourself. So, uh, I know, but I didn't tell it in the book. But uh, he he threatened me with that the rest of the tour, that he was going to tell that on me. And every so often he'd come by and whisper to me backstage, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I love Isn't this. That cute? You ever see anything that happens out in the audience that's like, whoa, that's shocking. Well, I do know one time at one of our concerts we had a man die at the autograph table, you know, at the merchandise table, and fell over the merchandise. And so everybody was inside by then except for a few people. And so the concert went on, but uh, we didn't know about it until uh, intermission. And it's like, oh, my goodness, and they still hadn't gotten the ambulance there. To me, that was, you know, put a damper on the last half of the show, to say the least. So, I mean, things can happen. Yeah, I guess so. Irene Ryan, who played uh, Granny Clampett, she passed on the stage. You know, she uh, I didn't know that. I had no idea. She died in performance, yeah. I remember when she died uh, years ago, years, decades ago. Well, I don't think that'd be a bad way to go, just so long as you don't pitch over backwards and hurt yourself or somebody else. (laughs) I don't want to mess up the drums if I pitch over backwards. (laughs) You're doing what you like to do. Yeah, I mean, you'd die happy. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's hope. Well, I think so. (laughs) When you look back on your career, what stands out as some of the highlights? I think probably just being able to live long enough, drug-free, 
and um, not uh, have to claim a rehab or two because I noticed that in today's society the easiest way to get to fame or sell records is to get busted for (laughs) drunk driving or domestic abuse or just drugs or something and I've never done that and I think the highlight of my life is being able to recount my life in this book and um, not be ashamed of it. Seems like a lot of the people now are famous for being drug addicts and alcoholics and they are not being talented and in the first place right <laughs> uh, and they're famous for being famous mm-hmm. for me uh the greatest thing about my career james is that i've been able to make my living doing what i love to do and i've enjoyed the work to be creative and to see it come to fruition this is like this morning i was signing some books and uh, Brenda said something. She said, well, now at least you got the book to sign. I said, yeah, after all this stuff we've done. She said, how does it feel to sign the book? I said, I hadn't thought about it yet, you know. <laughs> but it feels pretty good to be able to hold a book in your hand that you started with one page, one pen, and, you know. And your memories. In, yeah, and turned it into a story. And now you guys are sitting here talking to me about it, and yeah. I'm trying so hard to be good because this is probably a Christian show, isn't it? <laughs> it's a family-oriented show, okay? Well, okay, I'm family-oriented. <laughs> you had a family. You I got, do have a family. Yeah. I have a son. I, uh, I talk about that in the book. Uh, I was a single mother since he was three and a half. He's a practicing attorney here in Nashville. Wow, you did a good so job. I did do a good job, and I brag on myself. Pat me on the back. So you live here in Nashville? Mm-hmm. I had I put the fear of God in him early to keep him on the straight and narrow. I think people need to scare their kids into scare them straight. Hey. You know, make them good. You know, make them afraid to do anything bad. That's what you got to do nowadays. Well, you know, the Bible says spare not to rod and spoil the child. And I think if you don't scare your children of you, they'll do anything they can get away with. And so I did make him know that he would have his comeuppance if he didn't do as he was told. I know when I was growing up, I was scared to death of my dad. <laughs> well, you should have been. Well, I knew my son would be bigger than me by the time he was 10 or 12. And so I thought, I better have him afraid of me by the time he's 5 or 6, or he'll be trying to run over me. Right. I didn't want to cause any problems for my parents. And fortunately for me, talking about my son, he was a good person, he was a good kid, and he was not rebellious. Uh, so I didn't have that much trouble with him. I was very fortunate. And my parents were very fortunate with me. I was not a rebellious child. I was very much concerned about doing the right thing and not being a problem. But that's not true of all my siblings. Some of them were very rebellious and would push the envelope as far as they could. It is different uh, for different people. You know, we all have our own personalities. What are you most thankful for? I think what I'm most thankful for is uh, continued good health. And uh, what I'm next thankful for is to have my faith. Right after that would be to have a family that I love. All right. Miss Stella Pardon, James. Great. Thank you. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you for taking the time. All right. Good luck on your book sales, all right? Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.